Today's episode of Lions of Liberty is brought to you by MathBot.com. MathBot.com is a fun little game that fills a serious hole that the public and even the private schools miss, and that is knowledge of programming and the math behind programming. MathBot.com gives parents a much-needed tool to make sure their children don't fall behind in this new information age. Software is eating the world, and those who don't know how to code will be left behind as more and more jobs become automated. MathBot.com gives kids and even adults like me, the knowledge needed to thrive in this new world. MathBot may just seem like a fun and simple game, but behind the scenes it uses the same method Julius Caesar, Isaac Newton, Einstein, and everyone else were all taught math before the state got its greasy hands into education. This method goes all the way back to classical Greece, the dawn of civilization. MathBot will gradually upload the math and logical skills needed to understand programming into the mind of any player. It's said that the pen is mightier than the sword, but now code is even mightier than the pen. So become mighty and learn to code over at mathbot.com. Welcome to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here's your host, your guide, your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Clare. Hello, 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 my friends, and welcome back to the flagship Lions of Liberty podcast, the original program here at Lions of Liberty that I have been doing for over five years, bringing you great interviews with amazing minds in the Liberty movement. And I got to say, you've got an incredible, incredible interview coming today, one that truly did blow my mind uh, several times, but it's not just me. It's not just me here at Lions of Liberty. I've got several friends in Liberty, several compatriots, several fellow Lions of Liberty hosts who bring you their own unique style of program, starting with Brian McWilliams every Wednesday. He slaps you right upside the head with his often drunken and always foul mouth take on Liberty. In Electric Liberty Land, his weekly shot of comedy, culture, and liberty. And of course, John Odermatt brings you his hard-hitting weekly look at the broken criminal justice system on Felony Friday. Many, many good reasons to just hit that subscribe button no matter where it is. Listen to this show, whether it's on iTunes, whether it's on Stitcher, whether it's on YouTube, whether you scream to Alexa, Alexa, play me the Lions of Liberty podcast on TuneIn because that too will allow you to hear the Lions of Liberty podcast. Many, many ways to listen. Many ways not to listen as well, just by not doing any of those things. But I don't recommend that. I recommend listening to this program. And if you just can't get enough, we do even more content over at our Patreon, over at patreon.com slash lionsofliberty. If three shows per week is not enough for you, be sure to head on over there. And for as little as $5 a month, you can join the Lions of Liberty Pride and get access to all of our exclusive audio content. There's also video content for anyone who joins at 10 or higher. We do video editions of all of our bonus shows. And just last week, if you had ever wanted to hear Libertarians Talking about Bigfoot, well, we have the show for you. Our latest Conspiracy Corner dives into that very subject. And then towards the end of this month, we're going to be doing a Patreon-only edition of Libertarians in Living Rooms Drinking Liquor. We do not have an episode of that program coming at you this month on the free feed. Uh, I have so many great interviews coming at you on Mondays that we just couldn't really work that into the rotation. So instead, we are doing that for our Patreon subscribers only. We're going to allow you to take questions from our secret, secret Facebook group and uh, we will answer them in drunken roundtable form so again check it all out at patreon.com slash lions of liberty let's get into today's show all right with me today is a libertarian musician and activist he often opened for a guy named dr ron paul during his presidential campaigns and he has toured nationally performing for liberty-oriented causes and groups including most recently last year at the walkaway march in dc he also recently released the single the ballad of lavoie finicum which tells the story of the rancher who was murdered by federal agents three years ago uh, the song is being featured in a new documentary series called Dead Man Talking. I'm very, very pleased to welcome for the first time, Mr. Jordan Page. Jordan, are you ready to roar? Oh. <laughs> that was a good one. That almost had like a, a hint of Chewbacca in it. <laughs> I was going for Tigger, but I'll take Chewbacca. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a poor purr meets a roar. I like uh, it. I like well, thanks it. for having me on, Mark. <laughs> 
Great, man. It's good to have you here, Jordan. And uh, since it is your first time, we got a little business to take care of first, and that is to figure out just how you got here, Jordan. How did you first take interest in libertarian ideas? Well, Mark, you know, I, I grew up in a very liberal household, very democratic-leaning household, and I think I probably had a lot of those ideals starting out in life. And, and I went to a liberal arts college, so you know, I got a lot of that there, too. But I, you know, I, but I was also raised in a, in a Christian household and, and had, had you know, that, uh, that doctrine and belief system in my heart, just a little guy. And, but as far as politics goes, I was completely illiterate. You know, you and I, 12, 13 years ago, could not have had a conversation about politics because I would not have been competent to have participated in it. And neither would I have. So it would have been a really, really rough one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I didn't. And I didn't. I also didn't care. I didn't want to know. I just wanted to live my life and do what I wanted to do and, and, and focus on the things I was interested in. And I was not interested in politics whatsoever. But I had an experience. And I've had a lot of weird experiences in my life. And so this is nothing unusual. But I, I, uh, December the 1st of 2006, I, I was asleep. And I, I was having a dream about George Bush and the state of the world. And I woke up. And I went into my office. And I sat down at my computer, half asleep, eyes half closed, and just started typing. And within about six or seven minutes, this, uh, this, this poem, this prose had just appeared on the screen and I read it. I, I wasn't even thinking about it as I wrote it. I just read it after I'd written it. And I realized like this, this was, this was very political. It was, it had lots of, you know, political imagery in it and, and references that I didn't even understand. I mean, that's how in the dark I was. I didn't even understand it. And I had a buddy in Seattle who was a political activist, very left leaning. But I thought maybe I'd call him, maybe he would understand it. And so I dialed the number, but I dialed his old number and his mom was on the phone. I get her on the phone and she, she says, well, read it to me. And I read it to her and she says, wow, that's, that's, it's amazing, but it makes me sad that someone your age, I was 26 at the time, she says, I'm sorry that someone your age feels this way about their country. She says, just remember, the pendulum swings left and right. So just when you're tired of it being one way, it's going to go the other way. And I heard a voice in my head say, listen to her. We, I thanked her for her time. We hung up the phone. I look, and all of a sudden, my guitar just magically appears in the room. It wasn't in there before that I was aware of. So I reach out, and I grab it, and I just pick it up, and I strum a G chord. And I just said, the pendulum swings from the left to the right. And I wrote this chorus. I inserted it into the song. Boom, instant song. And this song scared the hell out of me, Mark. And I wouldn't play it for anyone. And I finally got the courage to play it. I had a show at the, uh, at the Rams Head on stage in Annapolis, which is this really beautiful theater. Had like 400 people, sold out show. And it's the middle of the show. And I'm like, man, I got to break this song out. I got, I, I got to know. I got to see what they're <laughs> going to say. Are they going to throw tomatoes? I got to find out. So I played the song. And I got a standing ovation. From the whole theater it was so loud it was making my ears crackle you know it was so loud and and i heard and i heard a voice say these people know what this song is about you don't but they do now it's time for you to go figure it out and i heard this the, the lyrics from the song a hard rain's gonna fall by bob dylan it says i'll know my song well before i start singing and that's what I had to go do. I had, and so I just dove head first. I, I was all in commitment to the, to the truth, all in just, just dove head first into the information ocean of horrible, horrible information that there is all over the internet. And I've never come out of the rabbit hole. I started reading books by G. Edward Griffin. I started reading books by Tom Woods, by, you know, Bastiat, you know, Ron Paul, but actually that's not even true. Cause I didn't even know who Ron Paul was at the time. When I came to Liberty, I had no idea that there was this guy named Ron Paul, no idea there was a Liberty movement. I was so naive. I thought I was going to have to start a movement. That's, but I was ready to quit, man. I was ready. And, but, but over the next year, over 2007, I, I slowly came to understand that there's this whole resistance movement and that a lot of it was centered around this guy, Ron Paul, who was a Republican. And I was, I was raised to hate Republicans, you know, of course. And, so, but I listened to him and I showed him to my wife and I was like, this guy is awesome. And I, I started stalking uh, Gary Franchi. If you know who he is, he's the, he was with Restore yeah, the yeah. Republic. Now he's the host of Next News Network. He's become one of my really close friends over the years. 
I started stalking him. My wife stalked him, actually. We got Pendulum recorded and got it in <laughs> front of him. And he was like, well, you got to come perform at the Revolution March in D.C. And that was in July of 08. And that's when I met Gary. That's when I met Ernest Hancock. That's when I met Adam Kokesh. And that's when I met Ron Paul for the first time was when I opened for him at the Revolution March. And it's just been a crazy whirlwind experience ever since. Jordan, I've been doing this program, interviewing people and asking them that, that same basic question for over five years. How did you first become interested in libertarian ideas? How did you get here? And I, I, I'm pretty sure I can confidently say that is the most fascinating story that I've ever heard <laughs> in my <laughs> life about how someone got down this path. I mean, so I, obviously, I, knowing your background, you take this as, as sort of a religious experience, I guess. This was basically a, a voice that was that sent you this message, sent you this song that would become the Pendulum song and sort of lead you down that path. Can you sort of detail that a little bit more? Like what was the oh, actual yeah, content of the message? Because, I mean, you say you didn't really even understand what it meant at the time. But based on that phone call you mentioned, I, I got to imagine it seemed to come more from the right perspective, uh, I guess, or the libertarian perspective. Oh, liber- liber- libertarian all the way. Yeah, I, I, I didn't go from the left over to the right. I went from being completely just politically agnostic, but probably leaning more left just just because I was brainwashed to be to being straight down the middle like libertarian and and libertarianism took me to the philosophy of anarchy which I consider myself philosophically I consider myself an anarchist for sure you know I I, I believe now that government you know involuntary violent government has always been the bane of humanity it's always been the 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 the, the enemy of, of of the human race and that when we come together and, and work together for a mutual advantage, voluntarily, I believe in voluntarism, that that is where amazing things happen. That's where human beings really shine and do incredible things. But when people are compelled by violence and force, coercion, threats of violence, force and coercion and imprisonment, that this is where you know, like we, we go to the more base, dark aspects of our nature. And I, I advocate for voluntarism. I, I consider myself a Christian anarchist, absolutely. But but I didn't I didn't I never heard the word libertarian before I'd written the word the song pendulum. So pendulum is full of references to things like the Federal Reserve. You know, I saw a group of old men whose money was evil. I saw a cross breaking free from the cage of a steeple. You know, I mean, I'm I, I'm it's full of these harsh indictments against all these different institutions and even institutions that I subscribe to. Like I'm I'm pointing out their hypocrisies. I think uh, there, there's there's a lot of references to the talking heads syndrome that we have, where people listen to these talking heads on TV telling, spoon feeding their reality to them, and and lying to them, and just the the state of the world, you know, falling into into chaos through war. I mean, this song turned me into an anti-war activist overnight, and and, and I discovered you know Alex Jones and Infowars, and I discovered you know all these different outlets of information that. I watched a lot of documentaries and America, Freedom to Fascism, the Aaron Russo film. You know, these things played a big part in helping me to have some context to these to these these messages that I was being given that I didn't understand. But it also helped me to understand like the, the gravity of the situation worldwide and like where these wars come from, who starts them, who benefits from them, and what they and what the the aftermath of them causes. And, and not just wars abroad, but the war at home, the war for our minds. And the war on drugs, the the prison industrial complex, you know, prohibition, all the all these things that, that, that I, I came to really understand these issues in depth, so that I could speak intelligently about them, and not for my own benefit, but for you know the benefit of the, of the country, of my fellow man, and ultimately my children. I mean, they're the reason I do what I do because I'm trying to create a better world for them. And if I if I shut my mouth, Mark, then that I'm basically contributing to the problem. I mean, if you're compl- if you're silent in the face of tyranny, you're complicit in that tyranny. So I, I refuse to be complicit in, in my own enslavement and in the enslavement of my children. I'm teaching them. You know, we we have seven kids. My wife and I have seven little Liberty babies, and you know, we're we're raising them to be free thinkers and to question, you know, even question what we're telling them. Look look it up for yourself. You know. And, 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 and learn, learn the truth, like seek the truth always. So that's really the message of pendulum is, you know, like, like the, the pendulum is, is society and, and, and government's influence going back and forth, left, right, but it's all really the same. The two parties don't really have any major difference 
other than these hot button issues they use to divide us to maintain their control. But in the end of the day, we're all stuck in the middle. And that's what the song says. You know, the pendulum swings from the left to the right. Its momentum increases the need for the fight like a blindfold when it's time to walk toward the light. And I'm lost somewhere in the middle. That's the chorus of the song. I'm just blown away that this, I'm still blown away and a little bit hung up on the fact that this just came to you seemingly out of the blue, where previously you just did not have that much interest in in the political messages and even even in figuring out what politics was until this song came to you. And I guess you could say you've you sort of been roaring for liberty ever since then. Oh, oh, it gets weirder than that, man. I got, I got another <laughs> short story I could tell you about the song that, that really makes it weird. Bring it. Let's let's go deeper. <laughs> so the song got really weird for me when after I played it live, there was a guy at the show. His name is Ted Kelly. He's become a very good friend of mine. And he was a host on XM radio of the channel U Pop. And he comes to me and says, I want you to come on my show and play this song live. But I want you to have a recording of it too, so we can put it in rotation. So I got contacted the next week by a local studio who said, we want, you know, we saw you at that show. We want you to come in and we're going to give you a free song because we do mostly gospel stuff. We want to get into rock. We'll just give you a free song. Do you have a song you'd like to do? And I was like, uh, yeah. So I record the song. I send it to Ted Kelly. He starts playing it on his, on his channel, but on like six other channels. I start getting emails from all over the world, from Belgium, Brussels, from Germany. People are saying, this song encapsulates so perfectly everything I think about what's going on in the world. Oh, oh my God. And I'm like, dude, don't look at me. I didn't write the damn song. Like, I'm just like the guy <laughs> singing it, right? And so then we get it, like you, Peter Yarrow from Peter, Paul, and Mary. You familiar with Peter, Paul, and Mary? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I've been listening to this guy's music since I was a kid. My mom was a huge fan. My dad used to sing their songs to me when I was a little baby to put me to sleep at night. I know this man's music. So he gets in touch with us and says he heard the song and loved it. And he wants me to come to New York to spend some time with them. So my wife and I drive up to New York from Maryland, and we meet Peter Yarrow at his swanky apartment in the East Village. He's got, a, like a, he's got like a door, like an elevator doorman, the whole thing. We go up and his apartment is like this two-story apartment. It's got to be a multi-million dollar complex. Amazing place. The walls are covered in pictures of him with like Martin Luther King and like, you know, all these like amazing like civil rights activists and, and political figures. And he's like this larger than life kind of personality. And we're having a great time. We're talking. And then things stops. He pulls up a chair. He sits me down, hands me my guitar. He pulls up a chair in front of me. He's sitting knee to knee with me. Like his knees are just about <laughs> touching my knees. He's leaning forward like this. And he, I don't know if the audience can see me, but he says, all right, I want you to play Pendulum for me right now. And so I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I, with that intense, with, intense gaze. That, he, he, this guy doesn't, he never blinks. He's a wonderful man, but he never blinks. And he's looking at me with this intense stare. And I play pendulum for him and I'm singing it right into his soul, you know, and the end of the song comes and I'm like, I nailed that, you know, and he's looking at me and he's like, wow, that is just wonderful. He says, okay, I want you to play it one more time for me, please. And I'm like, uh, I look at Mary and she's <laughs> like, just do it. <laughs> like, don't, don't ask questions. Just do it. So I'm like, okay, you want to hear it again? I can play for you again. Like, you know, fine. So I played it again, and this time I put everything I had in my soul into the song, right? Like performance-wise. And he's looking at me the entire time right into my eyes. And I'm like, what the hell is going on here? And so I finished the song, and I'm like, okay, that time I freaking nailed it. There's no chance anything weird's going to happen. And he's like, okay. That, he's like, that was even better than the first time. He's like, you're going to think I'm crazy. <laughs> but I, I'm going to ask you as a favor to play it one more time. And now my heart sinks. I'm frustrated. I want to get the hell out of here. You know, that's how I felt at the time. Look at Mary. She's like, just, just do it, you know? So I play it the third time. And halfway through, I have this profound realization. The verses of Pendulum are like written out like, you know, 
I'm, I, I've been walking a tightrope between fact and fiction. I've been wrestling with demons and small bottle prisons. Second verse, I saw a president blind to the needs of his people. I saw a camel that passed through the eye of a needle. Third verse, I heard the echo of suffering in the valley of laughter. I heard, you know, I can't remember off the top man, but right now, but like, it's like where I've been, who I've met, what I heard, what I'm going to do now. Okay. And then I'm playing pendulum and I have this realization the third time for Peter Yarrow that the verses of pendulum are answers to the questions that are being asked in Bob Dylan's song, a hard rain's going to fall. Okay. Where have you been? My blue eyed son, where have you been? My darling young one. I've been out in front of a dozen dead oceans. I've been 10,000 miles in the mouth of a graveyard. Like what? I, I, I saw, you know, this is what I saw, what I heard in order. My song that I wrote in the middle of the night, half asleep, not even thinking about anything. Those verses match up perfectly as answers to those questions in that song. Okay. So I'm freaking out. I'm geeking out about it. I'm like excited to realize this. And I finished the song and I'm like, Peter, I don't know why you asked me to sing this song three times. I thought you were nuts. But I just had this realization. I tell him what it was. And without missing a beat, he leans in. He says, well, you know where Bobby got that song from, don't you? And I'm like, Bobby? You mean Bob Dylan? You call him Bobby? <laughs> Bobby. <laughs> he says, Bobby got that song from a 15th century English folk song called Lord Randall, My Son. Where have ye been, Lord Randall, my son? Where have ye been, my darling young one? And it's, it's a mother talking to her son, Randall, who's dying in her arms because he's been shot, stabbed, poisoned, and beaten. And he's telling her what happened and how he came into the state. And Bob Dylan used the, the framework of that song to write Hard Rain's Gonna Fall in 1963. So he's, he, he reaches out like this, grabs a guitar, he holds it way up high like this, and starts singing it to me. He sings me the whole song. And so I'm watching this icon of the 60s civil rights movement. I'm in his apartment. I get tunnel vision, <laughs> like everything is black around his face. Just his face is all I can see. He's singing me this song that some unknown bard from the 15th century wrote in England that influenced Bob Dylan in 1963 to write this iconic song, an anti-war song, that somehow cosmically transferred to me in 2006 in the middle of the night out of a dream that ended me with the song spreading all over the world, got me involved in the Liberty movement, had me doing all this crazy stuff with Ron Paul and ended me in this situation. It was like this time vortex craziness. And eventually brought you to the precipice here at the Lions of Liberty. Exactly. Podcast. That's so. how it happened. <laughs> From Bob Dylan to the, this is unbelievable, Jordan. Unbelievable. Hey, friends, I got to take a quick pause here to tell you about another great libertarian podcast out there. It's called Free Man Beyond the Wall, hosted by the artist formerly known as Mance Raider, now known simply by his real name of Pete Raymond. And I got to tell you, Pete is a machine. This guy brings you a new episode of his own every single Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and he has done some absolutely fantastic in-depth interviews. He's had on everybody from Ron Paul to Thaddeus Russell to Phil Labonte, the lead singer of All That Remains, a very diverse group of guests, not always libertarians. He also did a great show with a Washington, D.C., insider lobbyist revealing a lot of the dirt that goes on behind the scenes in DC. He has done so many interviews that I have just said, darn, I wish I did this one myself. So I really do want to highly recommend checking out Freeman Beyond the Wall. You can find it over at freemanbeyondthewall.com as well as iTunes, Stitcher, and all those fancy podcatchers out there. Uh, well, I take it since that time, I mean, you've really have used your music to continue to sort of spread a message and to, you know, to focus on oftentimes on some specific causes as of lately. Oh, so yeah. I really do want to get into the story of Lavoy Finicum here. Right. I could probably do another hour uh, listening to you, you know, tell me th these stories about the cosmic synergy. Oh, I've got so uh, many, your man. Music and your <laughs> okay. <laughs> we, can, we can make a whole podcast <laughs> series out of it. We could definitely move on. We'll, we'll, we could talk about whatever you want. Yeah. 
Sure. So why, why don't you get into the Lavoy Finicum case just a little bit here? I, I don't know how I know. I'm sure people that are, are fans of this show are, are probably more likely to be familiar with it than than uh, others out there. But uh, for those not aware of how this came out, why don't you just give us the basics of the story sure. uh, of what started as essentially a protest against BLM and, and how we how it got us to this point? OK, so we, we begin the story uh, in Bunkerville, Nevada, with the Bundy Ranch standoff. And that was a major win for the people because the Bureau of Land Management, also known as BLM, not to be confused with Black Lives Matter, but the Bureau of Land Management is essentially a front for a criminal government enterprise. They are a terrorist organization that uses force and intimidation and violence to enact a political agenda. And that agenda is the subjugation of the Western United States and the subjugation of the land specifically. They want control of all the land in the Western half of the United States. And if you look at a map that shows BLM-controlled land, it's like 98% of the land in the West is controlled by the Bureau of Land Management. And so the BLM really is just a front for you know, criminal government uh, elements to exploit that land for its natural resources, to earn a profit, and the Bundy Ranch is no exception. And the, there was a standoff that happened that uh, with, with federal agents and, and armed uh, protesters and the, uh, the, the, the feds backed down. You know, they, they realized that, that they, they weren't going to be able to win this, that this was a complete nightmare for them, and they, they backed off, and, and it was a major victory. So there's a ranching family up in, uh, in Oregon, in Harney County, Oregon, the, the Hammond family. And they were a very well-to-do, wealthy ranching family, been, been there for generations, and the BLM had been oppressing them for decades. Uh, the, the Hammonds had spent over a million dollars in litigation costs fighting the BLM, who were constantly trying to screw them out of their land, take their land, force them off their land. And in the end, BLM agents lit a, a, a wildfire on their property with the intent of burning down their house. And Dwight and Stephen Hammond, father and son, went out and they lit what we call a backfire, which is a, 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 a technique in ranching to stop a wildfire from spreading. You use fire to stop fire. And they saved their home. And for doing this, they were charged with domestic terrorism because the, the backfire that they lit, part of it went on to uh, BLM-controlled land, which is considered federal land, even though there's no such thing as federal land. The federal government is not, only, is not allowed to own land outside of the 10 miles square of Washington, D.C., and any small parcels that they purchase from the states for needful buildings, armories, post offices, things like that. They are not allowed to own, by the Constitution, which is the supreme law of the United States, they are not allowed to own any land other than what I've just mentioned. And so federal... So they're, they're sort of ignoring that one. They're completely ignoring it. But, but, but more say. importantly, <laughs> the people are ignoring it. The people are just, in, in, just completely enslaved to the point where they don't even care what, that, that, the, that the government does these things. And so the, they charged them with domestic terrorism and for lighting this fire, and they gave them a mandatory minimum sentence of five years. They brought in an outside judge that's not from that county who, who got a major promotion to become this judge for this case, specifically to sentence these two particular men to prison. The Hammonds were told that if they fought the decision or if they went public with the decision or, or, or just went public in any way with the information, privately they were told that, they would all be, that their entire family would be buried in the desert. And so rather than risk their families' lives... They, they stayed quiet and just took the prison sentence. And while, they were, while this was all taking place, Ammon Bundy and, and Ryan Bundy from the Bundy Ranch standoff and a number of other ranchers and patriots from, from that standoff went to Harney County to, to protest this. And their, their method of protest was to peacefully occupy, though armed, they peacefully occupied an empty government building, which was the Malheur Wildlife Refuge, M-A-L-H-E-U-R is how you spell Malheur. So they occupy the Malheur Wildlife Refuge because it was the administrative staging ground for the BLM's terrorist activities in Harney County. So all of their records were there. And their, their plan was to build a case against BLM and th that they could take to court and prove what they were doing by their own admission. And that was, that was the point of all that. And Lavoie Finicum was an Arizona rancher who was 
friends with the Bundys for many, many years and very close. And he went to support them and he went to support the Constitution. These guys were pegged as anti-government extremists. They could have been anything but. They were all very pro-government, but they were pro-constitutional government. I'm an anti-government extremist. You know, I mean, like, like I, I, and proud of it. I mean, I'm a nonviolent extremist. I don't believe in violence, but I'm certainly anti-government. I want to get I want to get rid of the federal government. But these guys were all about the government, but they wanted the government to follow the rules. And, you know, for, for me, that's a fool's errand, but that's another story. You know, but but this was their motivation is what I'm saying. It was a noble motivation. And and it was it was I, 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 don't, I don't have a problem with what they did at all, because it, it, like, they're trying to work within the system. And that was their prerogative. But the, in the end, it was a peaceful demonstration, Mark, a peaceful demonstration. They hurt no one. They even cleaned up the grounds around the refuge and did construction and and made it better. They, they, they were, it was falsely reported that they trashed the place. You know, I've seen footage and, and pictures of the place. It looked better than when they got there. I mean, they, they really were great stewards of the land and of the facility. And, and they came and went from, from the facility. They, they went, once the FBI and, and law enforcement showed up, they, went, they came and went every day and, and were, were unobstructed. There was no problem. And then Lavoie Finnicum was, became really the spokesman of this, of this movement. And he was very articulate and could articulate the, the constitutional principles with, with great ease. He was a very intelligent man, very well-spoken man, and was a, a credible spokesperson, a credible representation of why they were there. And he had a plan to help Western ranchers unplug from the Bureau of Land Management system. And that was what got him killed, in my opinion. So they were invited by a neighboring county sheriff to come and and make a presentation to him and and his department on why they were there and what they were doing and what this plan was. And he asked that they come unarmed. So they left their they left their sidearms at the refuge, and they went in a convoy to go meet him. And they Lavoie's van that he was driving was, was like a big a big church type van. There were there were women and children in the van. An Oregon State police officer pulled him over and started shooting at the vehicle. Shot out his side side mirrors, and Lavoie, for fear of his life and the lives of the people in the van, took off like a bat out of hell, and got about a mile and a half. And around a turn, uh, federal agents had set up what we call a kill stop, which is a complete blockade of the road. That's what they call it. That's what they call it. It was a kill stop, which is an illegal tactic. It's an illegal maneuver. They're not even allowed to use that maneuver, which forced Lavoie to make a choice, either to plow into them and kill everyone or plow into the snowbank, because this was in January. We're coming up on the third anniversary in in a week or two. And he plowed into the snowbank, and the bullets start flying. So he gets out of the van. This is American hero, this guy. He gets out of the van with his hands up in the air, and this is all corroborated with video evidence, with his hands in the air saying, you know, like, you know, don't shoot them, shoot me. Like, don't shoot the, like, don't fire at the, at the vehicle. You know, if you're going to shoot somebody, shoot me. And so what did they do? They shot him nine times and blew the top of his head off with the, with the, with the final kill shot. And he died in the snow alone, bleeding in the snow. This is an American patriot, a Christian, a, a, a good man, a father of 11 children, husband, rancher, American dream all the way, you know, a, a, and an absolute hero in the last moments of his life who, who took a stand against tyranny and was gunned down in cold blood. And it was, it, it, like, there was no reason for that to take place other than what he was doing for these Western ranchers because th- that represents a significant amount of money and control and property value that that the BLM wanted control of. Now the Hammonds were had been persecuted because their property rests rests on a massive uranium deposit. We found this out as, like at, after all this at, at, after the smoke had cleared, we found out that their their property is on a massive uranium deposit and Hillary Clinton got was very involved in this too because she was involved in trying to get control of their land to sell it to this Russian company, Uranium One. This ties back into the Russian Uranium Run conspiracy. That's that's mind-blowing. Yeah. I had no idea there was a connection. The Uranium One conspiracy with Hillary Clinton ties to the Hammond property because their property rests on a massive uranium deposit, and that's why they were trying to get rid of them. 
because they wanted that. They want to control that property. So talk about Russian collusion. There it is right there. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I, I had never I had not heard that that take on it before. That's what happened. That, that, and that's my understanding of it from everyone involved. And I knew a lot of people that were involved. So here's where it gets here's where it gets really weird. So Lavoy is killed January 26th. OK, I had been texting with Ammon Bundy about coming to the refuge and putting on a concert for those guys, just a free concert, just to show them some love and some support. Right. And we were scheduled for February the 5th to, to do that. So in the meantime, Lavoy Finicum is killed. And the night that he was killed, I was just full of anger and rage and heartbreak for his family. And, and just that, that I, the, the, this whole thing's going to just fall apart now, which it did. And I, I had been disseminating information from my contacts that were there. I was disseminating it all out on the internet to people so they would know what was going on. Around one o'clock in the morning, I'm I'm so I'm so geed up and like tense with anger that I I I couldn't even move. And then I had another burning bush experience, Mark, and I had this wave of wind hit me, just like whoosh, and it felt like wind, and all those feelings just disappeared, gone. I felt awesome all of a sudden. I hear this little bubble above my head pop, bloop. And a voice says, "A literal thought bubble." It, it, it literally, it, it sounded like a bubble <laughs> popping. And, and then I heard a voice say, "He was a man who loved to walk the land, turn his cheek, but also take a stand." And I'm like, "Oh crap!" So I, I got my laptop. Uh, another song. I'm not sure how much credit I should be giving you as a songwriter. Right I, now I don't because get it seems like all your best stuff comes to you. I don't take I don't take credit like for this else. at all. None, none. I, I'm a, a not so innocent bystander, and so I just start typing what I hear, right? And I write this song over the course of like an hour, just listening to the spirit telling me the words, and and, and I work out the melody, I work out the, the the guitar parts. I'm like, wow, okay, I accept. You know, the next day. Next evening, I should say, my wife Mary films me on our couch. We're in Montana at the time. Films me on the couch in our living room playing the song. We upload it to YouTube at midnight. By 8 o'clock the next morning, it's had 10,000 views. Okay? So I'm like, okay. Two days later, I get a phone call from Lavoie Finnicum's daughter, Ariana. So she says to me, I want to thank you for writing this song. She says, we're all here at the ranch holding each other and crying and mourning the loss of our father. And someone sent us this video of you singing this song. And that song has been giving us hope and been comforting us in this time of, of grief and fear. That, and it's giving us hope that our dad won't be forgotten. And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I... I promise you he will not be forgotten. And then she tells me that they're having his funeral the following weekend and they'd like me to come down to Kanab, Utah and perform. And I'm like, I'm like, yes. Okay. I'll find a way to make that happen. And so, but I, but I, here's the, here's the problem. I'm contracted to go and perform two shows with Rand Paul and Ron Paul in uh, Iowa, because Rand's running for president, right? They'd already paid for my not the kind, not the kind of gig you want to miss. Not the kind of gig I want to miss. But this, this is this coming weekend. So, this, like, I'm talking to her on like the 28th or 29th, and in, in like a day or two, I'm going. Right, my plane tickets bought. So I, I get up to go to, to to do that show. I had to get up at two o'clock in the morning to get to the airport on time, and it's in a blizzard. So I'm driving out my long, long forest country road from the ranch where we live. And I get out to the main road and I hear an explosion and it's my back tire. And I get out of the car. My back tire looks like Wolverine had come and de destroyed it with great prejudice. And I'm like, how in the hell did my tire, I mean, I could get a flat tire, but it didn't like, I've never had a tire completely explode on me. And so I can't get the car off the ground because of the way it's positioned. And I call my wife. She comes, picks me up. We, she has to get all the kids up. You know, out of out of their sleep. It's three in the morning, and she and she starts taking me to the airport. I calculate that we're going to get to the airport exactly at the moment that my flight takes off. There's no chance I'm going to make this flight. So we head back to the ranch. 
I call Rand Paul's campaign manager. I'm like, I'm not going to make it. This happened, blah, blah, blah. He says, don't worry about it because there's a massive blizzard coming through Iowa and most of us are going to be stuck here for at least a week and a half to two weeks. There's not going to be any flights getting out. So if you came here, you would be stuck. And that would mean that I wouldn't be able to go to Lavoie's funeral. And Lavoie's funeral was on February the 5th, which I told you earlier was the day I was scheduled to go play a concert for them at the refuge. I ended up playing Lavoie's funeral instead on the same day. That is a... Tell you what, Jordan, your stories have, have got me thinking about <laughs> about some things. I'll tell you that because oh, it gets weirder, wow. man. Talk to me I mean, a little longer. We're gonna, it can't get it weirder. Gets way weirder than that. <laughs> I got to tell you about my song "Rabbit Hole" sometime. <laughs> All right. Well, why, why don't we do this, Jordan? Why don't we? Since we've we've talked about the song a little bit, why don't we toss to the song right now? Let everybody listen to the full song, the ballad of Lavoy Finnicum, and then we'll come back and, and chat a bit more. All right. Sounds great. Turn his cheek, but also take a stand. When his conviction called, he followed what he felt was right. Well, there's no telling just what time will bring. You can live for nothing or for everything. But when the pushes come to shove and tell me, will you fight?
All right, and there it was, the Ballad of Lavoie Finnicum. And uh, I got to be honest, you know, the, the type of music you play isn't what I normally listen to in my day to day life. But I, I, I got I to say, when I was listening to this song, obviously I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm inclined to enjoy the music because of the message that you put out there. But I, I found myself bobbing my head a little bit because even though it's a very serious song, uh, it's got some jam in there, man. It's got some jam, but honestly. <laughs> It's a very country western song, and I am not a country western artist. I'm a rock guy. I grew up listening to Metallica and Nine Inch Nails and Pantera, you know. Right. And you know, I, I usually play like a lot harder rock or like folk, folky rock, and and right. or southern rock kind of stuff. But this is a vast departure from my usual thing. But I like it too. <laughs> yeah, it's very fitting to you know who the song is you know, for as well. Right. It's a cowboy ballad, and like style. the style of you know like Gene Autry, Roy Rogers, like. That's what I felt like it was asking to be, and that's kind of where we took the direction with the recording, and, and it turned out better than I could ever have hoped. And so the song, I released the song, it's on cdbaby.com, it's on, it's on Amazon, uh, you know, it's, it's on Google Play, on iTunes, it's, it's everywhere you can download music or stream music, you'll find this song. Uh, I am giving half the proceeds to Lavoie's widow, Jeanette, to help with her wrongful death lawsuit against uh, the federal agencies that that murdered her husband and that is a really expensive process so so i wanted to help her with that and and i so i've committed publicly to giving her uh, half the proceeds you know as for as long as the song is for sale and uh, and hopefully that will help her also the song is going to be featured in the upcoming documentary series as you mentioned earlier dead man talking which is a series put on that that's being produced by the center for self-governance and it's all about Lavoie, his life, his death, his activism, his message, and uh, and the aftermath. And so this song will be in part three, which will be coming out this year. Good stuff, Jordan. Well, I mean, like I said, not only is is your journey to liberty pretty pretty mind blowing, but uh, so many things that have happened along the way. That the chain of events that led you not just to these ideas, but to these specific situations and specific people, really is fascinating. So I do encourage people to check out the song, "The Ballad of Lavoie Finnicum." Obviously, you heard it here in the show. We'll link to uh, you know ways you can download that song, and and as well as I know you, I know you're splitting you know the proceeds of that song uh, with the family as well. So it's definitely a good reason to actually go purchase purchase the song itself absolutely and there's two versions there's one with just me and acoustic guitar which is the original style that, I, that i've been doing all like for the last three years is just me and an acoustic guitar but so, so i have that version for sale as well as a full band version with you know lap steel guitar and and upright bass and you know electric piano and backup vocals and all that good stuff and it's uh it really is a country western toe tapper but it's got a it does have a very serious message for sure and if you should go to my website, jordanpagemusic.com, you can listen to clips of it and you can learn all about me and all that good stuff. Cool. And I know you are, you are obviously not done with your activism. You're not done with your music and uh, you're not done focusing on specific situations and specific individuals to try to highlight them uh, through your music. So why don't you let us know? I know there's this, the Schaefer Cox case that you've been involved sure. with and that you've written a song about as well. Uh, if you want to you know, tell us a little bit about that and anything else you've got going on while you're at it. Absolutely. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So I've been really focusing on recording. I haven't been, I haven't been touring as much the last couple of years. I've been focusing on, on like cannabis freedom activism and, and doing a lot in that space. I've been doing a lot in the blockchain space and cryptocurrencies and I'm a partner in a blockchain company and, you know, we're trying to replace government with, with blockchain systems. And that's a ambitious project that, that I'm doing, but musically I'm really focusing on, on recording and, and, and writing songs about specific causes that I care about. And, you know, and Lavoie is, is, is a great example. And Schaefer Cox is, a, is another great example. And he is a, he's an American political prisoner who is currently being held in a black site prison in Terre Haute, Indiana, uh, called the CMU, uh, Communication Management Unit. So Schaefer is, is one of us, Mark. He's a liberty guy. He's, you know, he was, he was in Alaska. He was running for office. He was teaching people about their rights, about the Constitution, about the principles of liberty. He was the commander of a, of a large militia, 3,500 strong, uh, you know, just the son of a pastor. He's a Christian. He's a husband. He's a father. Just a good guy, young guy, you know, the, the, the world ahead of him, making real strides and teaching a lot of people. And he started calling out the child trafficking pedophile rings in Alaska and, and implicated government officials, police, judges, uh, and, and was naming names. And he was targeted by the FBI for persecution. He, he had, there were informants that were sent to infiltrate his, his life and try to get him to say incriminating things to get him in trouble. 
they, they were trying to get him to say that he would murder federal agents on tape. He refused because his message was nonviolence. He was basically tricked into saying that if federal agents were trying to kill him and his family, would he shoot back? He said, well, in that extreme case, yeah, of course I would shoot back. Who wouldn't? And for that, they used that audio recording to convict him of conspiracy to murder federal agents and gave him 36 years in federal prison for that, to, to, to silence him. He was moved from Alaska to Indiana because one of the tactics they use with, with people like this is to separate them from their humanity, separate them from their families so that it's impossible for their families to see them. It's impossible for their friends to see them or to have any, any, any connection with anyone that you knew before you went into these hell holes. And, and it, it's all about breaking the human spirit and breaking their minds, essentially. So they moved him. Then they, granted, this man is a white Christian man. They move him to a 95% radical Muslim populated prison. So he is one of five, six guys in this prison who's not a radical Muslim. And I, I believe they sent him there to be killed. I mean, that, like, like, there's no other explanation for them to move him from Alaska in a federal penitentiary to Terre Haute, Indiana, to a communications management unit, which, is, which was reserved for people that have tried to blow up buildings and who have you know, murdered you know, people or like, murdered large amounts of people or who may be masterminds of terrorist cells. I mean, this is where they sent this guy, okay? Knowing that, like, like the prosecution in his case withheld exculpatory evidence that would have exonerated him over and over and over. They were all complicit in this false imprisonment and persecution of, of Schaefer. And so now he's in this prison in, in, in Indiana. Back in October, he and the other five men who are Christians were caught together praying with a Bible. But they were caught by a gang of radical Muslims who swore an honor killing for Allah because of, of these men praying together with a Bible. They grabbed one of these guys, they decapitated him with rudimentary instruments over a 15-minute period. The guards did nothing. They stood there and watched while a, while a SWAT team scrambled. It took 15 minutes. They grabbed another one of the guys and slit his throat, tried to cut his head off. Schaefer and the other guys saved his life, pulled him out of the, out of the fray as best they could, and the man lived. The second man lived, but the first man was murdered. He was decapitated, ISIS style. And the prison has been trying to cover this up. So they, 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 they locked the prison down for a month. We didn't hear from Schaefer. I'm in touch with his team. They didn't hear from him for a month. So we finally get word from him. He tells his lawyer everything I just told you. And for telling him that over the phone, they put him in the hell hole. Like there's the hole and then there's the hell hole. And the hell hole is an underground dungeon that, that we've talked to other prisoners who have been in this, in this dungeon. It is, every, it is a dungeon. It's a pitch black dungeon. You cannot see your hand in front of your face. It's infested with snakes and rats and spiders. And, you're, and, and he's been there for over a month. He was just let out a, a day or two ago. So he, we know that he's out and he's communicating with us again. But for, for getting that information outside of the prison, the prison punished him for that, for telling the truth about what had happened. So this story is going to break soon, and it, I believe it'll, it's going to go viral and go everywhere, so you're hearing it here first. But we're trying to get the word out about these awful, horrific, inhumane conditions and, and get Schaefer clemency for because his, his conspiracy charge was dropped. So if there is no conspiracy charge, how can you – or no, excuse me, his solicitation charge. I, I misspoke. His solicitation charge was dropped. So if there's no solicitation, then how can there be a conspiracy to commit a crime? This crime never, never, was never committed. Unbelievable. This, this man is a patriot. He's no different than you or me. He has the same message, this liberty message, Mark, and he is being tortured and tormented, and there is a kill list in the prison, and he is number two or three on that list. So and he has to spend three hours a day now with the very men that he watched decapitate his friend. So he's got that is it's wild. Unreal. It's unreal. It made my heart sink to, to the floor when I first heard it. And I'm sorry to lay this burden on you and your listeners, but we have to st get we have to stop this. You know, like we have to get this information out and into the hands of people that can do something about it. Well, we're happy to help do our part and, and you know, not only get the story of Lavoie Finnegan out there, which there's not much we can do about it post-fact, but this is right. something that you can actually do something about. He is still in prison, and there is some hope to you know, get him out at some point if we shine right. enough light on this. That is, that is really a, a, a very frightening story, really. It is a frightening story, and I wrote a song about Schaefer to this effect. I started talking to his legal team right as, this, as all this happened. 
And I recorded the song in December. It's called The Persecution of Schaefer Cox. And it's almost done in post-production. I'm working with his, his nonprofit, Schaefer's Angels. We're going to put out a music video for it. We're going to push it and try to tell his story and this story that's being suppressed and ho- hopefully have it be part of the move to give him clemency. Well, Jordan, I really do appreciate that you're out there uh, not only discussing the ideas of liberty and doing so through your music, but really taking the time to uh, shine a light on you know these specific cases of injustice. Because I think uh, in many ways, you know, we can talk esoterically about the ideas of liberty and about theoretical injustices posed by the government, but oftentimes it takes shining a light on uh, very specific stories and very obvious cases, like both of these cases. To me, uh, anybody who looks at them remotely, objectively, can see that there is some serious, serious injustice going on here. So hopefully that can inspire people uh, you know, to learn more about not just this case, but about the philosophical ideas that lead to this kind of situation. Absolutely. And I, I want to see this man released and continue his mission because he's a powerful voice for liberty. And he's been through so much that his perspective is, is worth so much. I mean, somebody gave me a book of his poetry and song lyrics that he wrote from prison. And it just about back in June, he gave it to me. This guy gave it to me. And it just about broke my heart over and over again. And I actually used a few of of Schaefer's own lyrics in the song. So I'm crediting him as a partial songwriter on the song. And uh, I would really love to, to, to be part of the effort that helps to get him released and to continue his mission. All right. Well, Jordan Page, once again, I appreciate you coming on the show today. Keep up the great work. Before I let you go, why don't you just go through one more time how everybody can find your music and, uh, you know, check out all your work. Sure. Well, the easiest way is my website, jordanpagemusic.com, J-O-R-D-A-N-P-A-G-E music.com. I'm on Facebook. You know, my, my fan page is Jordan Page Fans. My, my YouTube channel is Jordan Page Music. You can find me on Twitter. You can subscribe to my, my channels. And uh, again, all, all, all my music is through CD Baby. And that's where we retain the most, uh, the most financial reward from, from the sale of the songs. But it's also on iTunes. It's on Amazon, Google Play Store, Spotify, Napster. You name it, it it's there. And, you know, again, 50% of the proceeds from the LaVoy song go to Jeanette Finnicum for her court case. And 50% of the proceeds from, this, from the persecution of Schaefer Cox song is going to go to his foundation to, uh, to fight for his, his cause and the cause of all political prisoners. All right, Jordan, keep up the great work. Really do appreciate you coming on and uh, appreciate everything you're doing out there. All right, so keep up the great work and keep on roaring. Thanks for having me on, Mark. All right, friends, I hope you enjoyed my incredible interview. If I do say so myself, and the credit doesn't go to me, it goes to Jordan for having such an amazing path to uh, becoming a libertarian. But uh, his his experience really did blow my mind and, and get me thinking a little bit. And we actually did dive into that. The conversation kept going for a little bit. So I did publish to Patreon a bonus segment that we did totally on the fly. wasn't part of the plan, but we delved into some of his, uh, I guess, supernatural experiences a little bit more and talked about religion and and libertarianism and the best ways to communicate those ideas to people. So we really had a very interesting bonus chat. So if you did not get enough of that conversation with Jordan Page today, head on over to Patreon, patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty to check out that bonus segment. Like I mentioned at the top of the show, we also have a new conspiracy corner where we dive into anything and everything Bigfoot related. And as I mentioned, towards the end of this month, we will have a Patreon exclusive episode of libertarians in living rooms drinking liquor anybody who joins at 10 or higher can actually see the video version of that so you can see our beautiful drunken libertarian faces it's fairly really an amazing experience i have to say so again head on over to patreon.com slash lions of liberty and we're not done here this week folks as you know there's more coming your way this wednesday brian is going to smack you upside the head with his weekly shot of comedy culture and liberty and john will close things out with his hard-hitting look at the broken criminal justice system on felony friday you gotta hit that subscribe button so you don't miss a thing and again today's episode of lions of liberty has been brought to you by mathbot.com the pen may be mightier than the sword but code is even mightier than the pen so learn how to build the tools that will bring prosperity and freedom to the world and learn how to code at mathbot.com That's mathbot.com. Become mighty, my friends. And until next time, live long and live free.